you know the world of horse showing looks so attractive and it is a glamorous lifestyle in so many ways you go to the horse show especially the high-end shows you see the best of the best you see the nicest horses see the best trucks and trailers and all the cowboys and the nostalgia of being cowboys is definitely on display what happens behind the scenes is something i've always wanted to kind of bring to the public's perspective this episode of taking the reins i sat down with the head trainer of 4f performance horses at wren mississippi rob huddleston and we discussed just that just kind of the perils of what it takes to be a horse trainer what goes into that as far as the day-to-day -day grind um, and just kind of got real about a lot of a lot of things here. I think you'll enjoy this. Rob is definitely an interesting fellow, great friend of mine, and somebody that I think that uh, you'll enjoy hearing from and has good perspective on many facets of the horse business. At 4F Performance Horses, they concentrate on training the high-end two- and three-year-old performance horses for the NRHA, the NRCHA. You can hear some background noise because... Rob and I just sat down in the barn and discussed all these things with dogs and the cats and the horses in the background. So I think you'll get the perspective of us sitting in the barn just chatting like two guys would. And so with that said, this is the next episode of Taking the Reins. From Mississippi State University in Starkville, Mississippi, this is Taking the Reins podcast. If you love all things horses, Get ready for a relatable and educational look into the lives of horses and the people who love them. Now, here's our host, Clay Cavender. So, 4F Performance Horses. That's um, Russ and Catherine Farah. And Catherine was actually, I think she was the first youth that I coached. That was, that was a long time ago because I was born in 77, so I don't know whatever that that was and she was a little bitty thing anyway she they're in the cattle business and uh, she grew up in the cattle business i think uh, her family has been here since maybe the 1880 something in uh, in oklahoma what is her connection with you just wanting to get into horses she just loves horses she loves horses and uh, she would she would buy a lot more horses <laughs> but i just feel like hey well, I think this is pretty neat. We're actually doing this podcast in the barn, in the aisleway. I'm actually going to take a picture here in a little bit and post it so people can see kind of where this whole setup was. But don't get much more cowboy than sitting behind the tack room talking horses and just enjoying being together. You know, I, I was thinking on the way over here. Actually, I was thinking the whole week, how do I start off talking to Rob? And I started thinking, how do I even get to know you? And I remember I was... I've just moved to Mississippi, and it was weird how we just you get, you just took me in as your friend yeah. like right off the bat. Yeah. It was like yeah. we've been friends forever. And coming from Texas and being the brand new guy here in Mississippi eight eight and a half years ago, uh, I didn't have any long? friends really. Yeah, January of fifteen, and I think I might have I was judging a raining somewhere, and I saw you, you know, whatever. But you know, after the raining, we just start talking and we become friends and came ride with you a little bit and. Ever, ever since then we talk on the phone quite often and yeah so this discussion obviously is going to be about horses but uh man we get into some deep stuff with uh conspiracy theory oh. religion <laughs> um uh, politics <laughs> you're one of my one of the people that i call when i have have an idea that's out there different oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think pre-2020 i might have given you the the one eye you know, you looked at you a little awkward, but uh, after after 2020, I don't I don't discredit nothing. So I think that our conversations, I always walk away with. Man, and and it, wouldn't that be great if that's what we all did? We just uh, listened and yeah. didn't discredit or discount. But we're so quick to just not investigate what's right. going on. I mean, I just listened to a Joe Rogan podcast the other day where they they think they found Atlantis, right? in the sahara whatever i don't know the the name of the country but uh it's um it's we don't look at that enough you know you say well we found atlantis and nobody looks at it and how old is the world and just all the crazy stuff that you and i can talk about but your average person that that i talk to they're like man that he's crazy yeah yeah well and, and i'm i think both of i think there was other thing too i was thinking about just on driving over here was uh what what connects us as friends and i think it's the fact that this is just my opinion you can 
disagree or agree, but I think that we're both stubborn, uh, opinionated, but convicted. Yes. And I appreciate that in other people. And so I think as age, age with age two, I get a little bit more open-minded and, and listen a little bit better as it's taking me a while, but listening to you and, and then, uh, yeah, and like you said, investigating the discussion. You know, Joe Rogan goes way out there, right? And some of his stuff goes right. out there, but it's still it's, it's interesting. But go go look at <laughs> go look at it. Don't just say hey, that that's that not don't true. Work. Yeah. Go find out for yourself. That's like horse training's that way. Go find it. Go find it. If you know one guy turns his horse around, go get and it may not be that that horse. It's that guy's program, or it may just be that horse. Go find out. The difference or the way they run stop or the way it could be anything you have to investigate all the time you got to be open-minded mm -hmm. yeah and, and like when i'm showing and stuff and i don't show near to the degree that you do but i'm always looking at other people and i always make sure, even if even if i don't think i should have been placed lower i look at the guys that are placing better and always go what are they doing a little bit different that i'm not right. thinking about and so that right. inquiry i think helps us in and All in saying that, the, the I've noticed some big changes in the training where when I first started, it was kind of a secret. And and if you went and asked somebody, like I worked for George Midget when I was straight out of high school, and I never saw him stop a horse. He would wait till I went to the barn. And you worked for him. And I worked for him. You know, I would ask for some help and he'd say, I just, you know, like for a lead change, just go the other way. Okay. Well, you're not doing it right. Well, show me how. You didn't go the other way right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, but but I never saw him stop a horse. Like run and stop a horse. And we'd go to the horse show and they'd run and stop. There'd be tracks, you know, on the, in the arena. But it was a secret. And I guess I didn't stay there long enough, you know, to, to get that. And then it got to where several years later, everybody's helping everybody. Now the horses are so good. Like you're riding a, uh, one that's by a fraternity champion out of a fraternity champion mare. I mean, I'm not, but but those guys are, and everybody in the finals is riding the best of the best. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of horses, and if you figure out something that works, maybe you need to keep what you're doing on the down low. You know, not that it's anything bad, but I call it old man horse training. Like, where is his right foot? If you're turning one around to the left, where is his right foot in flight? Where is it on the ground? It's on the ground here. It's in flight here. It's on the ground here. When do you kick him? when do you pull where where are his feet in, in timing with it and a lot of a lot of guys now like if you're not really tight with them they like yeah it looks good right looks great well, well and that's the thing i think i can i was i want to say, figure out how i can say this i think i've earned the credit to be able to say this and that is being in texas for 15 years growing up in oklahoma showing horses coming to mississippi um i felt that was the other part of the connection is i think when i've ridden with you you get it you get it you yes, understand sir. how to do it you um you could fit right in with the the big boys everywhere i remember the the first time you were like you shape your hat right right that's important <laughs> to me <laughs> that's important to me and even like a this funny story when your, your wife coaches a hopology youth team because your daughter was doing mm -hmm. all that and she she was in there i didn't know kim but she saw me take a young man's hat he had set his cowboy hat she told me about upright. that. Flipped it over. I walked over and flipped it over. And I didn't think nothing about it, but um, yeah. I remember her saying that to me. She thought that was it's those little things, right? And that, that's important, too. I tell my students all the time this. You earn and get discredited in the horse business by the way you put a halter on. Oh, man. By the way you lead one. It's all the little things. Right? Don't you agree? Absolutely. You know, like lead a horse it, you, you you pull on the halter and he stops and you let go you're training him to stop you're not training him to lead or training him to follow you then you walk up to the stall door and and you don't go in the stall you you know wave it on his hip and he goes in there then he hips himself mm -hmm. and he turns around next thing you know you got a horse that won't lead in the stall at one time it takes i don't know how many times to fix it and i can run into that all the time loading horses on the trailer Somebody gets the front feet in the trailer, they pull, the horse raises his neck up, he hits the roof of the trailer. They let go. They've trained him to hit his head on the roof. Right. And, and even this, like we deal with all the vet students, or, you know, the, the pre-vet students especially, and they don't have a whole lot of large animal experience, mm -hmm. but I try to tell them all the time that the horse business, you, you call a vet over to your house and have them work on your horse. And the, if you put the halter on wrong, you won't be back. Right. 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 I mean, I don't care how good a job you do. It's that. They horse, want to tie it on top of that loop. 
Yeah. And and then then if they if you they pull back or something, it just slides out till it gets to the knot. And I don't like these halters, like on, on that door there, um, the buckle halters. I don't like them. So we, we use primarily rope halters, but then they just tie you, you it up here, it right slides out, or it's not tight enough. There'll be, what, three inches of slack in their loop if they do tie it on the on the bottom. That's a big deal here. Yeah, and, and that's the first, actually be the second video I wanted to do on the horse hacks uh, series on, online. We're doing a one-minute horse hacks, and the second one is properly tying a rope halter. So watch your hat over there. There's a cat. Cat's going to get in my hat. <laughs> but here's the thing, too. This is the topic of why you came to my mind to put you on the podcast, obviously because of the great conversations we have. But we were talking yesterday, and this story came up. I think this will lead us into this topic. Horse training is a, a tough business. Uh, you know that more than anybody, and I remember it's a lifestyle. It's a you you got to want it, right? You got to want to do that. But do you remember when you know we were talking about we're both about the same age, about forty five, and mm -hmm. yesterday we were twenty. Yesterday, right? It happens fast, doesn't yesterday. it? Yesterday, it's Man. weird. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in North Texas at um, Ernesto's. I think everybody knows that around Whitesboro, Pilot Point area. And uh, watching the horse trainers come in, and there was these three boys walk in, and they're long, lean, 20-year-olds, mm -hmm. got their spurs jingling, and they got the <laughs> world whipped. You could just tell by the way they're – and I love that. I love that confidence. I love that attitude. I love that there are men out there that are still cowboys and rugged and tough. And But what we don't think about is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of what I want to get into you into it with you about is what are some of the downfall tough spots that we get put in as or you oh, get man. put in as a horse trainer because it's not all just pretty saddles and nice trucks right uh i had a discussion with a buddy of mine this morning that you see the guy in the in the big rig financed to the max i've been there um i know and the pressure to keep that to pre keep that going is it's over the top uh but the guy that rolls up and the little four horse with like Mike Flaherty, he won the Futurity twice pulling a four horse trailer and like a three quarter ton truck. That dude's smart, you know, the reigning Futurity. The pressure to look like you're doing good attracts a, a, a lot of the wealthy customers to me. But if you look at your bank account or your retirement, whatever that may be to you, you may need to drive a little cheaper trailer well it, it's know? that industry perception right yeah it's you yeah. walk up to the horse and i remember even this as a kid I, I, we always didn't we didn't have all the best of everything but you get intimidated when i was a kid i get intimidated right. and pull up there and somebody's got you know the best of the best it's kind of hard sometimes i remember mentally. the first time i saw bob avila i was like is that a horse training god or is that a man right you know, i mean everything is so clean He's got the best of the best assistants and the best of the best horses and probably stressed to the max. I don't know, but, I mean, they won everything. I mean, how many world AQHA world titles did he win in how many different events? At one time, he was the man. The man. Yeah. Like... Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not even worthy to talk to him. He, That's the way it was. I don't want to get crazy off track, but that brought up something really good. We all want to be the man in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Until but, you are the man. Man, and we just talked about Bob, and we're talking about this in past tense. Mm -hmm. He's no longer the man. There's a lot of guys There's out there. There's a lot of men. Right. Absolutely. So you could be here one day, gone the next pretty quick. Uh, he's super successful. And I think, as far as I, I don't know the man, I've studied his his work obviously and i studied a lot of stuff about him uh, he used to have a uh i think it came out every two two months it was like spent ride to win with bob you remember that mm -hmm. like just a little pamphlet that was the coolest thing ever cause he gave us the training tips and we were like oh that's the secret so before social media <laughs> before social yeah. media yeah that was that was a that was in the 90s early 90s i think yeah i think he won the reign of fraternity and, 92. I still remember a video of watching Bob. I don't, it's, I don't know when it was. I couldn't tell you the horse. He was showing at the Cow Palace, and he went to turn the horse back on the fence. And when he went cut in front of this cow, this cow tried to jump his horse. Mm -hmm. And there's got a still frame shot of this cow with his head across Bob's yeah. lap. And that was uh, uh, Chick's Magic magic Potion or Smart Xanolina, one of those two horses. I, I figured you remember. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know, you're listening don't know Rob. He knows about every pedigree. I called him last week about a horse, 20-year-old horse, and said, this is the name of the horse. And he knew the mother. I don't know how he did that, but I looked well, at the I, papers. That's when I worked <laughs> it for was true. Uh, Kiber Ranch, and they had Gunner. 
in in New Jersey, and uh, that mayor's mother what was that mayor's name? She uh, was halter Wilma bread. D. Wilma D. Yeah. yeah, and we had some. We rode some out of her, I think, or maybe she was there and we rode her. That's a long time ago, though. Yeah, but you can remember that. It's a long time ago. She I was can't about remember Mr. what World. I ate for dinner last when week. She, she was. She was about Mr. World. Yeah. <laughs> paint horse the yeah. and wasn't a quarter horse paint. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You can remember that. I don't even know where we are at this point. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but this is a serious note. I want I want to read this to you because this is going to drive the discussion. Okay, this is something I looked up a little while ago. According to the Centers for Disease Control and, and Prevention, male agricultural workers have the fourth highest suicide rate among men in all industries. So the pressures of working in the field is tough business, and, mm. and that's all ag, not just horses, but mm. we're related to horses here. And so with that said, where does the desire to be a horse trainer even come from? Now, we don't see that too much in today's 15, 16, 17-year-olds. There's not that no. as much as when maybe we no. were kids. There's a lot There's a lot that may want to until they find out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what do you think drives that idea? Or People get de- – so there's depression well, involved, right? Well, so- I grew up watching John Wayne. Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, the Lone Ranger, the first horse that I got. I've got a picture of it with me in some little blue rubber boots riding this white, dirty mare. And I, I wanted a white horse because I wanted to be the Lone Ranger. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and now I don't think kids grow up watching cowboy stuff. Idolizing, yeah. And I mean, the first horse that I won NRHA money on, I gave $600 for it in the sale barn, Padre Edge's sale barn, the E.E. sale barn in Belden. I don't know what year that was, but I, I want to say I, I won my first NRHA paycheck in 95. His name was Quattro's Golden Skip. It was 600 bucks, and they ran him through their loose. And I don't know that you can do that now, but I just wanted to do it at the time my parents had divorced. There's a guy right down the road, Rut Williams. I don't know. I, at the t- really, I probably was doing some thir- 12, 13-year-old bad things, like starting to go down that road. And he gave me a horse if I would start it and a couple other. And I didn't know how to start it. He taught me how. So so I think that being in that, in that environment, um, the horses gave me something to, to go to, right? Yeah. And so that you're not getting out of school, walking home smoking you know smoking half a cigarette you found on the side of the road right and and it it produces a work ethic and all that and and i'm not real good at sitting still and you can't be still at a horse farm always something to do yeah yeah but i i I think it just for me i can't speak for everybody else but for me it gave me an out to a you know it's something you can control you lock him in the stall when your whole life is out of control that horse is in that stall and he depends on me i have to clean it i have to feed it i have to clean the water bucket i have to put the grain in there i have to make sure he's make sure he's his intake and outgo is cared for and so when you when you can't control and a cat's not like that i mean that cat right there i mean they're not like that. The no. dog's not like that yeah I'm, you know for some people it is but not not anywhere compared to what a horse is. And that's why they have these therapy programs with them. And that's what they were to me. You know, when, you know, it's, it's, there were some not easy times. You just go to the barn, you right. know? That's funny you say that because the first two podcasts we did was on that subject, that very subject. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what one of the ladies said on there was that when she was a kid, that her escape was going to the barn. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was her, I, I think most people look at it as a refuge. But, but as far as driving, so there's other things involved, too, like wanting to be a horse trainer. I, I never, per se, wanted to be a horse trainer directly. I, I had a, you, another idea. What does Chris idea, Dawson but, say? We're unemployable. Well, this is the cho- This is the thing you chose, and it's yeah. an honorable thing, right? It's a, it's a, there's a lot of nostalgia that comes from it, but it's that seek of fame and fortune. Don't, would you think that was part of the factor, too? Like, again, like we were talking about, Bob was the man. You wanted to yeah. be the man or I don't know um, that in it perspective? Was, I don't know that. I don't know that it was necessarily that I want somebody else to think that I'm good. And I look at it like a business now. But I think I was trying to prove something to myself Mm. that I was worth something. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Can I can I do this? This is a horse that you cannot touch. I think I bought him when I was 14 or 15 years old. 
13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. You can't touch him. Two years later, you win a check at the Dixie National when the Dixie National was a big deal. And they let the youth ride in the non-pro then. That was an accomplishment from I can't touch him to I'm showing him one-handed at not an NRA, not a not a premier event, but at one time that was the second biggest horse show in the world, right behind the Congress, counting all the color breeds and mm-hmm. all that stuff. It was not as big as the Congress, but it, it was good. And so it, to me, it was just a personal accomplishment that, that I set a goal and all the trouble with my family at the time. And I actually didn't live with my family for two or three years in, in that time. They actually dropped me off right down here at uh, Rockin' A Ranch. Maybe in D. Allison, and that's where he actually took me to the sale. That's where I bought that horse, and he helped me learn how to do that stuff. So, where do you think all that links? So, like we're talking about mental health aspect of ag- working in ag in general, we probably don't go yeah. into it thinking there's going to be any of that. There's a conflict, I guess. What I'm trying to point out is for those of wanna... you that don't know me on here, I like to talk in circles on accident. Sorry. No, no, you're doing great. <laughs> but I do think that there's this connection when you said it. We have something to prove to ourselves in some yeah. capacity combined with extremely hard work yeah. combined with minimal days off. Right. And so we're, we're stretching ourselves to the max mentally, physically. You have to please people. You ha- there you go. You yeah. have to please people. Yeah. And when you can't please people, it, it's, it's hard. I've had, I don't know how many phone calls I've had this morning putting out, I call it putting out fires. And sorry. You know, I'm I'm doing the best I can. You know, nobody showed up here this morning to clean stalls. They have they have their own lives and their own problems. Mm-hmm. And so I, I showed up this morning. I fed. I cleaned stalls. That's just to me. I mean, why start riding when the stalls aren't clean? I want the stalls clean. When you got here, the hallway's blown out. Um, what if we didn't have any hay? We got to go get it. Right. What if we don't have any shavings? What if you break a stall fork? What if there's a flat on the wheelbarrow? What if the tractor won't crank? Uh, well, we're out of grain too, by the way. Oh, the grain we do have is molded. We got to water the arena. We got to drag the arena. Oh, wait a minute! It's a Kaiser drag, and it's not the easiest thing to set. So you can't let anybody else do it. They will rip your base up. The phone's dead. The phone's ringing. There's a ding. Oh, did, you didn't check your vo- your uh, voicemail. I didn't get it. Right. I, you didn't check your text message. You didn't check your uh, Facebook message. And then people say, I've been trying to get a hold of you on Facebook. I don't look at it. I got time. I don't have time. Right. The tr- there's, and then I bought a new truck in July. I still, hadn't, still don't have a tag on it. Office is 15 miles down there. Hadn't been there. Just don't have time. Yeah. And, and that's exactly my point about when I was coaching judging teams. I take these college kids who they, they do have some perception of the nostalgia, the feel good. You know, riding horses fun, and they enjoyed all that as a kid. And then they go, I take them to the World Show, for instance, the Congress, mm-hmm. or a big show, and they see the big trucks and mm-hmm. they see the shiny, all the tacks clean. Somebody's got to pay for all that. How they got there is a great question, mm-hmm. and but they see like, oh man, I want to be one of these big yeah. trainers. Yeah. But what they haven't had experience in is exactly what you just said. The team it takes to get there is deep. Is and it's it's so much harder now. It's like NASCAR, NFL, Major League Baseball. You got minor league teams. Uh, I had a guy in North Texas call me yesterday morning. Want me to come work for him so he can hire a horse trainer, not an assistant, because they have to be gone all the time. Mm-hmm. Three trailers, two campers. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot, a lot of stress. And then when you add the family part, we even talked about the family oh, part. We hadn't even talked about the suicide part. We hadn't even got I to think that all yet. this discussion was leading but, to see how that could happen. That was the point of that question yeah. was, how do you get to that point? Like, thankfully, I, I have not had that struggle. Yeah. But how do you get to that point? I've had several friends and several acquaintances do that. And I think, I don't know how you get to that point. Because, like, for me, if anybody says I commit suicide, call the sheriff and go to you know the bahamas somewhere i'll be down there if you think i commit suicide um i just i don't see how it gets that way but i do understand the stresses of it and and you're just like you're you're locked up you can't get out can't relieve yourself from that situation mm-hmm. and then you even something we haven't even talked about yet is 
Well, how long does it take to get to Las Vegas if you're showing? You know, how long you, you're oh away gosh. for weeks and you're without your family and you're without the home comforts and absolutely. I um, we used to start at one a.m. all the time in the summertime, and I realized one morning Dustin Davis was there, and he's very accomplished Western Pleasure trainer, and uh, he and I were out there about two o'clock, two thirty in the morning, and I go flying past him in the dark with one light at the center marker of that arena at uh, in Hurricane, and he's asleep sitting on his horse, just looked over. And I stopped and I walk over there and he's snoring, sitting on his horse. And I said, Dustin, wake up. And he said, Hud, hadn't you just rather be hot? And I got to thinking about what he said. My wife and my daughter are asleep in the house. We're trying to get done before lunch. Then you're, you're trying to get in bed at, a, at an appropriate time so you're not just wearing yourself out. And I didn't ever see my family until lunch on Sunday. Didn't see them. That's before Aubrey started riding and she was little, you know. Riding a lot. So I quit doing it. We're going to wake up together and we're going to go to bed together. And talking about traveling, I was loading the trailer in maybe 2018, going to, going to a horse show in Ohio. And I just threw up. I thought, I'm sick, you know. Did not want to go. And, uh, and I threw up again as I'm loading that, that trailer right there. The anxiety of going and staying up all night and all day and having to take people to dinner, and then the stresses of, well, we forgot our saddle. Okay, well, I have one. It's free to use it, you know. You blow a tire. You, you've got to pay for all that stuff. You have to have that trailer, you have to have that truck, and you have to have these saddles, and you have to go be seen at the horseshoe. And I made a decision right then. We're fixing to change some things. We're not going down that road anymore. Talking about all the resources it takes to get to that point with an owner, how do you manage their expectation, all the things that you just talked about as far as your family expectation, you're married, so there's a lot of expectation from your wife and your daughter. And How do you manage yeah. those things? And, and, then, and then they want to win. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. So this is, this is what I changed about that. If it's just a regular person with a good horse, that's okay. If it's a bad person with a great horse, I don't want it. If it's a great person with an average horse, I want that customer because you're like us. And and we'll get you in a little bit better horse and in a little bit better horse and a little bit better horse. But I'm not going to sell my soul for a really bad person with a great horse. Does that make sense? Mm, sure. And that's, that's, that's what I tell myself, not dealing with bad people. You, I'm not. But there's plenty of people that will deal with that. They will. Yeah. But I'm not. Not anymore. I've done it enough. And everybody in this barn right now, they're good people. There's not anybody that walks in the front door of that barn that the hair stands up on my arm or my neck when they walk in here. So what you're saying they're nice is people. that you're protecting yourself. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I'm protecting my family. Yeah. In, in, a, in a roundabout way. And I don't want to take all that home. Don't, don't come in here fussing at me. Not anymore. Yeah, because you will take it home, right? Yes, like, sir. I mean, I think yes, that's sir. pretty common that somebody comes in and chews your butt about something or is upset about something or it's constantly causing a problem. You take that home. You don't even want to, but you do. You do. Yeah. You take it home. Well, I, Internalize it. I don't know yeah. how many times I've come home and I fuss at Kim about something and I'm then she fusses back at me and she's like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about my day, because sometimes I go home and I really just want to vent about something. And then she's venting to me and we vent to each other. And, and you know, if you come in and you don't have an appropriate vent time, it'll spew out somewhere else. And saying all that stuff, we're talking about problems. Who gets the opportunity to do this? Look at all these horses and this, these fancy stalls, insulation, LED lights. Oscillating fans, fly spray system, Kaiser drag, brand new Kubota tractor, indoor arena. I used to train in the 60 by 100 in the winter. You've been there. Mm -hmm. And with 18 stalls that I could afford. And we had the outdoor track. Now, I don't, I don't even have a sunburn. We're right in there. But it's finding that balance. But, but we yeah. get to be modern day. It's Randy Paul's song. You ever heard that? Modern day cowboy. Mm -hmm. We get to do that. You can't be Roy and Gene anymore. So in saying all that stuff that's hard, 
What a blessed life to be able to, quote unquote, cowboy like that. And keeping that perspective will definitely help the mental side of it, too. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to look at the blessings of it. That's a Jocko Willink. You ever listen to that? When he says, good. It's good. Uh, that it's is, good. if you have not it's listened good. to Jocko's uh, motivational speech called yeah. Good, You Should. It's awesome. Yeah. So, for sure. So very, very blessed. Even with those issues, everybody has issues. And I'm not saying the horse business is harder or easier than anything else. I do think it's harder than most things. But when we were talking about that sense of accomplishment, I mean, like I said, we have 20 horses in here. And these horses, it's Thursday. You had not heard a peep out of these things. They get worked. Mm-hmm. And they don't get work because they have to. They're not fresh. They get work because we want to. How many people go to get in their concrete truck? Be like, man, can't wait to pour some concrete today. You know, thank God for that, huh? Yeah. So, as men, though, especially cowboys, that's kind of my next question was. I think the manly thing, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's correct. I think it's absolutely wrong. But the manly thing is to sweep problems under the rug. Yes. And from my experience, that does mm-hmm. not work. Right. So w- what should our approach be? What works for you in handling Whew. those issues? You should probably ask my wife about that because I, I pass stuff on a lot of times. Like if there's a problem with a customer, I might pass it on to somebody that can handle it better than me. I used to have a bad temper in the last five or six years I usually like to stop and think for a little while just think and probably not not overreact that was a problem for me at one time don't overreact there's a, there's a good solution to this and then make sure you pray about it because that's where it comes from anyway you know that like that's your six quote unquote six cents right your faith and I think that with the horse shows, a lot of times that we're showing on Sunday where you're, you know, and I, and I like the, the horse shows that have the cowboy church, not that we go to church all the time, but I read the Bible a lot. I know where it comes from and I know where we're going. And you have to consult that. You have to. If you're not walking in the spirit or, th- you know, whatever the word for it is, then, then you, you may get the wrong answer. Right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I would agree with that. I internalized things for years and years and years and kept thinking the manly thing was to handle it yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to whoop him. Or, or, or just <laughs> figure it out, right? Like yeah. we're, we're, I know a lot of times I get in trouble. I get in trouble with my wife when she tells me something and I'm thinking immediately. Yeah. How do I fix this? What yeah. do I do? For, and so I tell her this is what you need to do. And, and she'll shut yeah. me out real quick and just tell me like, I don't need you to fix it. Yeah. So I think that uh, the other thing that works for me, too, is telling people I trust. I have such a great circle of friends, guys. Yeah. Uh, you're one of them that you know about everything there is to know about me. Yes, and my past and what I've done and what I think. And so, man, that takes a lot of pressure off. I had a conversation with a really, really close friend this morning about some issues that we're, we don't go into here on this sure. thing. But just being able to get it off your chest not hide it anywhere but get it off your chest because what we talked about this morning is if you don't talk to somebody about it then you can lie to yourself Mm -hmm. and then it's like the mustard seed a bad plant grows too you know what i mean just like a good one and you have to i just feel like you have to have a spiritual protection about your thought process because it, it can get away with you. And that's, you know, when you were talking about that suicide deal, like think maybe some people don't go in, you know, everybody says, do you need to talk to somebody? Like my dad passed away last week. And everybody says, man, if you ever need anything, you just let us know down there like that right there and all, you know. <laughs> and then, well, I really need somebody to clean stalls this morning. You know, you said anything. I need somebody to clean stalls so I can go, you know, sit with my dad at the hospital the last two months. No. Need somebody to feed, need somebody to go to the feed store, need somebody to get the hay, need somebody to get the shavings, need somebody to wet the arena. And we got a bearing out on the water wagon right now. I think it's important that you you take some discretion, Mm -hmm. identify three to five, if you can, guys that you can, that you know you can count on. Because everybody wants to be friendly, right? So if you kind of, how many friends do you have? You probably say 15, 20, 30, 40, maybe. How many friends? 
do you have brothers do you have and yeah. that that number gets lower right the as people you get you older trust. it sure gets lower and like my dad said he always told me he said at the end of your life he said you'll have had one good dog one good horse and fewer than five good friends he was way different he had a lot more friends than that but as far as like confident like confidential friends i don't know but yeah it gets it gets smaller they yeah. have a lot of time to mess up i guess yeah well <laughs> you, we I, do. I think you have to identify them. like i know this i freely say it like i know i can tell tell you like hey rob i need to talk to you about something keep this between yes, us and it's and absolutely. it stays there so absolutely releasing that pressure valve for me is you gotta key. get it out yeah you need to have a support group you need to talk to somebody that's part of that team but but yeah. sometimes somebody needs to come and get you right so if nobody notices that you're in that position mentally then nobody's paying attention or you're putting up such a wall mm -hmm. that nobody can see it and that's a problem with the horse business because if you know everybody that walks in that door hey how are you good you know and nobody i mean it's just you're in the entertainment business a lot of times with the product everybody's got to feel good and and the the weight of making sure everybody is entertained and feels good and i'm a little sensitive about that because i can tell like somebody walks when they get out of their truck i can tell positive or negative what's about to happen 99 percent of the time how does that work for you know you i know you enough to know you work a lot of in isolation you work a lot yeah. on your own you know like today yeah. i walked in the barn you're by yourself so I, does that play into it or do you feed better on that is that good for you bad for you you know i i, I like to be alone but i hate to be lonely like i've got my little earpiece i stick it in my ear and make phone calls call somebody it's, and it's funny some days you call your buddies, and you might call ten people. Nobody answered the phone that day. And I, and I, I know why you're looking at because I'm one of them. Sometimes yeah, I, I don't you call. <laughs> but I mean, what if a horse is laying on top of me out there, and you call those people? No answer. You're laying there. Your legs, your foots turn around backwards. Your billet strap, you know, billet breaks. Well, I'm an hour away, so you're. you're well, you're I'm in just trouble. saying, like, <laughs> what if? You know, and that happens all the time. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Nathan Morton, the other day, and he. He was telling me about Bryant Pace breaking his back in North Texas, and uh, you know, he called the phone. He's answering. So that was that. So I, is it a good thing for you? Like, do, do you like the balance? Like having a few people to ride with, and then need need some rob time? Or no, I like people here to ride. I enjoy that. I, I enjoy that. I like to talk about what we're doing. Uh, it's to me, it's like a construction site with crossed with a, some kind of physics lab or something like that. Because it's it's with a psychology degree. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. It gets intense sometimes. I was, I've got this one three-year-old that I was riding two days ago, and I got off, and it, I think it was like eight thirty or nine o'clock in the morning. It wasn't even hot yet. Just pouring sweat. Just because you're that intense. But then I go get on that other three-year-old down there, and we, you can have a full-blown conversation, you know, a, a pleasant conversation with somebody because you don't have to be that intense. Yeah. Well, let, let's go positive then. Let's, let's say the, the goal in some capacity is to win. I mean, that's why mm -hmm. we're competing. That's the goal of competition in some capacity My is to win. My goal is to get better. To get better, but, yeah. but there's wins in there somewhere, right? Yes, sir. And if you're working for an owner, the pressure is there. To some capacity, the pressure's got to be there a mm -hmm. little bit. And maybe not necessarily, I'm not speaking specifically to your situation, but in general horse training, that's that's kind of the commonality that we have is we're all going to a competition. Let's say you get on top and, and you're winning. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean's a great example. You mentioned Sean Flair earlier, maybe Mike, I can't remember, but Sean won the fraternity in the derby like... What? How many times? How many yeah. times back to back on some of them? Or how do you sustain that? Yeah, or, or is there pressure there to sustain it? You think? I have a friend that that was in that situation, and he said, "Man, now it got really hard after I won the fraternity." He said, "I got really hard." So, to me, if I can train a three-year-old up and sell it and show a profit, we'll buy a trophy. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's winning to me. That's a mental win for sure. That's right? a that's a win to me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, you got a product that you can do that with. Of course, obviously, I've never I've never won the fraternity. We've had trained several that made the finals and stuff. But I don't. I mean, I, I want to win it. Don't get me wrong. That'd be really cool. But but once you win it, don't try to just like okay. 
for instance, I had a horse called Reno Pep. Uh, it was in 2005. We bought him as a weanling, Brooks Derryberry in Florence, Mississippi bought him. And I think we gave 3000 for him or something like that. And that was before you had to nominate him and all that nonsense, which hurt the local reining horse business big time. Because these people, you can't just take an average horse and do it unless they understand that you got to pay it up. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, but I showed that horse and I made the limited open finals. That was before they had all the levels. I made the limited open finals 2005 at the NRHA fraternity. And the next year, I had a three-year-old or a two-year-old every day done it. And he was tough. He was a remnick and done it. I have a daughter of Great Pine that was I have a daughter of Boston Watchstar for all the Anybody that rides reining horses that knows pedigrees, listen to this. It's true. They are tough. But I called Gaetan Gautier, and I asked him, said, I'm having trouble with this horse. And he said, you're, you're riding him like the other horse. Ride him like that horse. Your expectations are that he's going to be as good as that other one. And he said, you're going to have to ride that horse. That other horse is gone. I'd get him out of your mind. And I ended up winning the limited up fraternity at Tulsa when it was the Ariad or John Deere or whatever. But get that horse out of your mind. So I think, like, if you won the reigning fraternity on a son of smart little Lena, well, let's go find another son of smart little Lena mm -hmm. and ride him like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it worked for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, whatever works. But you just got to, you know, dance with the one that brought you, I guess. You think about some of these big guys, they're going through 40, 50, 60 well, somebody told me Justin Wright started 75 two-year-olds this year, mm -hmm. whether it's true or not. I don't know, but... And trying to get to two or three. Yeah. Three-year-olds. Yeah. 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 I mean, go look at the top 30 riders, top 25 riders, NRHA, NCHA, NRCHA. And, I mean, that's, a, that's an elite group of guys that are really good at what they do, riding the best horses you can buy. That's tough. That's tough. And to stay there, I was talking to somebody that was is just going to be open next year in that deal, and they were like, "Well, it's kind of like being in county jail, and then being sent to a federal prison. That's the difference in it in the treatment. Not not that people are nasty about it, but that's how tough it is to survive in that in Climate. that deal. Yeah. So back to winning and holding all that stuff together. I want to win it, but I want to come back home to Rand, Mississippi. You know what I mean? I don't want to win it and then have 50 horses in training. Okay, here's a tougher question because you said it within two minutes of us t talking today. Is the pressure there to win in whatever capacity that you, you define that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is the pressure there to win there because we desire approval of others or trying to prove something to ourselves? Or both. It'll be both. Yo, Adrian! Remember that? Yeah. From Rocky. <laughs> I did it! You know what I'm saying? That's it for me. I, I did it. I didn't do it for you. You allowed me to do it. Thank you for doing that. But I did it for me. I don't wake up every morning because if I'm late, somebody's going to know about it. I wake up every morning to take care of these horses and to ride them and do, a, do as good, the best job that I can to take care of these things and to train them to the best of their ability to keep them sound. And when they're ready... So people ask me, say, what, what fraternity are you going to? I, I don't know. When they're ready, we'll go to one. Obviously, financially, if you win, you can make a lot of money. But, I mean, you can't take it with you. Right. Other side of that bill is trying to prove something to other people. There's something you never please. So oh. it's a pointless battle, right? Yeah. I won't, I won't name who it is, but they're, they had a stallion win the NRHA fraternity. They called me the three, three years later, I guess, and uh, want me to take 12 two-year-olds this one stallion very popular stallion and i said i'm not really i'd love to have them we'll start them but but what am i going to do when you send them all out i'd love to start them but and he wanted a discount for sending a, a, more horses that's <laughs> more work it's, it's the same, same amount word. of work yeah but he, he wanted uh he wanted to send all them things and then what's going to happen you're just a two-year-old guy not making a living you're just working you're working a job at that point so well let's bring this full circle because i talked to you at the very beginning about the boys that walked in ernesto's mm -hmm. i'm sure you can see some of yourself in those guys oh yeah so what's some advice you give them if you were sitting here talking to them today and they were saying hey rob how do i make it 
Well, there's a time in your life where you're going to put your spurs on the town nuts. You know what that is? Explain. Like where they let them out so they make more mm-hmm. noise. Mm-hmm. That's a town nut. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you're going to be young and but just work hard and try to save your money and make good investments because how many NRCHA fraternities have they had and how many people have won it? That's a that's a good goal to have to win that. That's great, but don't set your goal set your goals a little bit at a time because if you set them too high, what did uh, what did Augustus McRae what did he say uh, about uh, expect too much out of life? It's apt to be a disappointment. You know, just be happy, pray a lot, read the Bible a lot, but uh, you know, yeah, go have fun. Those boys like put your spurs in the town nights, go have fun, but but you need to you need to grow up at some point. Don't stay don't be that guy when you're forty. Yeah. I, I was thinking guy. about those boys and um I've been that guy. I, don't be heck that yeah. Guy. I mean I, I don't think that as a as a man, I don't think I ever realized I was gonna even die until I was probably thirty five. Right. Then I was like, Oh man, I am mortal. Yeah. Uh, and that's so silly. But it's I, I don't know, it's just this I don't know. I think most of us are built that way. You just think it's going to go on forever, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Not to, not to sound morbid or anything, but right. your your idea about planning. I think that's a great. You got to plan for the future. And I mean, how capacity. many times have you heard stories about an old horse trainer living in a camper mm-hmm. that was on top of everything? And I mean, I know some guys that won the cutting fraternity, walking up carrying a suitcase. That's all they had, you know. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't mind being that guy. I mean, I can live in a teepee. I don't care, but I've got those two girls to take care of. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of responsibility to me. And there's uh, a time, right? Like, I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, I love MMA, UFC. Yeah. And, and some of the, like, everybody listening to this knows who Conor McGregor is. Right. But he's on the way out. Like, he, yeah. he was. He's got a chin, too, doesn't he? He was the man, <laughs> right? Everybody was yeah. scared of Conor And then along came. Nergamedov and yeah. and it was a different story yeah. and so now there's a new set and I think yeah. that's the that's life in general we can yeah. be on the top of our game and then we're the B team yeah and then we're yeah and I, the and retirees I, well I'm just gonna sound crazy maybe but I I took a big step you know backing away from the rain in a little bit kind of seeing right on the wall for a local business doing that and started doing the cow horse and it has added excitement back to it right. You see my eyes getting big right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Like it's it's exciting. It's fun. You're doing something different every day. Don't get yourself in a rut. And I think when you're in the rut and you keep trying to pull out the same way, you get miserable. Yeah. And you need to stop doing what you're doing. Reevaluate. I got another friend in Alabama that trained horses. He was a good hand. Worked road cutters and cow horses. He just quit. He works Caterpillar now. Loves it. Every minute of it. I'm not saying do whatever makes you happy if it's going to hurt anybody, but try new things. But try something new, mm-hmm. man. I mean, like I'm my dad. I'm not going to keep going on about that. Guy had a degree in accounting, degree in veterinary medicine. He's a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. He was a sheriff deputy, an FBI investigating school guy, and then he was a state rep for years. And he just kept reinventing himself all the time. That's I think that's pretty cool. You don't have to sit in there until you're a hundred, you know. Yeah, but that's, and, and, that's and your whole circle, though. Like I realized when we start doing something different, like there's a lot of guys I don't see anymore. You find out like who your who your buddies are. Still, you might not see them for three or four years. But, but new objectives and new motives definitely yeah. inspire. Yeah. Correct. Here's a we're gonna close up because we're we're pushing an hour. Which I knew it, I knew it would That's be. That's not long enough. I just, well, well, what we need to do is well, when this gonna, is done, you hit stop and we'll start over start another again. one. Okay. <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough question. Okay. At the end of the day, what are three words you want those who love you to, to describe you? Oh, man. Not in a sentence, just three words. Yeah, like I mean, you can ex- describe them or explain why you chose he them. He is tired. <laughs> tired. You want him? Do you want them to describe you that way? No, that's, that's yeah. If they saw me a lot of times, yeah, I really don't know. I'd have to think about it. Uh, maybe he's passionate about about his work. I hope they would say that I was loving to my family. I hope. 
That's got to be more than three words, man. Uh, well, yeah, you can use however you want. Um, How do you want? Like, I, I, and, and I, you tough. brought it up. A, you He's brought it up a few times about your dad, you yeah. know, passing away last week. Uh, th- that's perspective, right? Like, okay, he's at the end of the road here for his earthly tour. Yeah. What were three words you could you'd want? And when that moment happens, that's what's important, isn't it? Yeah. Tough. Tough. Yeah. I think this sounds so silly. But a lot of times I think of my daughter, she's eight now, and I think about her especially, like what I want her to think of me. Yeah. And you remember that old, I, I grew up in the 80s, and so I was cleaning stalls in the barn in the 80s. Yeah. And they had 80s country on all the time. Remember that Daddy's Hands? Oh, yeah. That, that's such a cheesy yeah. song, but. Soft and kind yeah. when I was crying. The heart is steel when I've done it wrong. And I, I think about that. I, I think that's a, yeah. a good, good description of a man. Tough and sensitive. Yeah. You know, I think those two things go hand in hand. So. That's um, like my, my daughter is is just and I hadn't really put it together, but she's like that right now. She's tough and sensitive. Tough. But we, we, our, our whole little line of Huddleston's or McClellan's or whatever, we're, we're all that way. Well, uh-huh. I think I think the world of you, you know that, and uh, I think what we need to do is uh, close this one. But in the future, I think that you need to be a regular I love cool. the transparency. I love that you're, and that's why I wanted to, wanted you to do this because I knew you'd be open uh, and not scared to be Rob and and uh, oh, I've, I've put been, it out there. I've been pretty pretty withdrawn here. Yeah, you, you well, <laughs> if you use selective words <laughs> and descriptions, um, I, maybe one beat, two beats. Yeah, we got one in there for sure. But yeah. we'll have to work on. But one or two beats. That's okay. Sorry. That's the kind of guys I want to surround myself. I got a group of guys. You're one of them that that, that love the Lord. Yes, sir. That are men. Yes, sir. That don't always use the right words. <laughs> yes, sir. But have great hearts. Right. And man, that's that's the kind of guy I want to be. That's what we need I'm not. To. I've not always been that. When I grow up, that's what I'm going to be like, man. Yeah. Well, y'all are good examples to me, and I'm glad I got surrounded with a group of men that are like that. So that's I awesome. appreciate you doing I that. I appreciate you too. So. Thank you for joining us on Taking the Reins. A special thank you goes to the Mississippi State Extension Service and the MSU Animal and Dairy Sciences Department. Please visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Taking the Reins Podcast.